Both our gospel and second reading were uh, written by the Apostle John. In the gospel, he calls himself the beloved disciple. Now, after near the end of his life, John had been exiled on Patmos because he had been preaching the gospel. And while he's there, and it says on the Lord's Day, so it was a Sunday, and maybe, maybe he was celebrating Mass, we don't know. It says that he has a vision. And so the whole last book of the Bible is the vision that John has. We call it the Apocalypse or the book of Revelations. And he's experiencing this probably about 60 years after Jesus' death. 60 years after he had seen Jesus in in the resurrection appearances. And in the vision, Jesus says to John, I am the first and the last, the one who lives. Last Sunday, we heard that the angel described to the women, described Jesus as the living one. And the resurrection was proof that he was alive. Now, in our first reading from the book of Acts, this is written by Luke, and it picks up the story with Jesus ascending into heaven. And so Jesus is in his glorified body is at the right hand of the Father as the events of Acts transpire. And what Acts shows us is that Jesus is still alive here on earth, only now through the church. Okay? So, for example, what are the apostles doing? They're healing the sick and casting out demons, right? They are reproducing the exact ministry of Jesus during his three years of public ministry. And Jesus had given them authority and power to act in his name. He shared with them his divine authority and power. And and, and this is described in the resurrection appearance, right? He says he breathed on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' spirit, right? The Father and Son share the Holy Spirit. And then he shares it with the disciples. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says to them, whosoever sins you forgive are forgiven, and whoever sins you retain are retained. So another part of Jesus' authority is the power to forgive sins. And he gives that to the apostles. Now the purpose of Jesus' death on the cross was to reconcile us sinners to God. Protestants understand this, but often they will say something like this. They'll say, Jesus' death in the past is enough to forgive my sins now. Right? It's, It's been done. He did it, and now my sins are forgiven. But Jesus anticipates that there would be further acts of his mediated through the church in which the individual experiences and receives the forgiveness of sins. Okay? And so, right? Because otherwise, why does he tell them, whosoever sins you forgive are forgiven, whosoever sins you retain are retained, right? There's some additional mediation of the divine mercy, the forgiveness of sins through the church. So how does, how does that happen? What does it happen? In what? So confession. Yeah, good. You all got confession, because that's a very good... Uh, Passes to discuss with your Protestant friends when they wonder why you go to a priest to confess your sins. But it's not just confession, actually. So, did you know that baptism accomplishes forgiveness of sins? 
Uh, in fact, sometimes in the early church, people would be catechumens for decades uh, so that they'd be baptized near the end of their life, right? They wouldn't have to ever go to confession then. They would be forgiven, then they die, right? That's not recommended. It's not good. But, so baptism accomplishes a forgiveness of sins. Also, did you know the anointing of, sick, of the sick accomplishes a forgiveness of sins? James mentions the healing of the person along with the forgiveness of their sins. And then there are also other ways, like even at the beginning of Mass when we do the penitential rite, if we, if it, 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 will, it will forgive our venial sins. Right? So, so the, it's, it's a broad thing, but confession, yes. In all these other ways, the church is mediating divine mercy and the forgiveness of sins. Uh, this past Tuesday, I watched a movie, Father Stu. I think some of you were there. We had probably over 50 parishioners there. And I, I love the movie. That was excellent, and I encourage all of you, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Watch it while it's still in theaters so that people can make more movies like this. And so just to tell you a little bit of his story, so Stuart Long, he's a contemporary of ours. He's, he died in 2014 at the age of 50. Uh, he grew up in Montana, and he was pretty wild and pretty rambunctious, and he had a difficult home life, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that his brother Stephen died when Stephen was a boy, and it affected the whole family. It affected their relationship with God. They had trouble believing in God because they, they lost you know, Stu lost his brother and his parents lost their son. Uh, Stuart was extremely uh, athletic. Um, he actually, he, he, played, he played football in high school and college. They didn't show that. But he ended up gravitating towards the sport of boxing. And he was an excellent boxer. And he won the amateur championship, the Golden Gloves, in the state of Montana for his weight class. And he had dreams of success as a professional fighter. Um, and he worked at it for some years, and then he actually had a severe jaw injury, and he wasn't able to pursue those dreams. His, he, couldn't, he couldn't have boxing uh, fame and fortune. Then he had it in his head that he would go to Los Angeles to get into movies or, or acting in some way. And so he begins to you know, take certain, certain jobs that can make him be able to go to auditions and things like that. Well... Two major influences happened in his life. So one was he began to date a woman who was Catholic. Uh, and um, she ended up, you know, because of his love for her, he ends up exploring the Catholic faith. Uh, but also something very dramatic happens. He's riding his motorcycle one night, and he gets hit by a car, and he's almost killed. And he has a spiritual experience. And he, he recovers, uh, and, but then he, he absolutely believes in God and in God's love for him. And he goes through the process of learning more about the Catholic faith, and he's baptized. Now, then God puts on his heart something which um, seemed incredible, a desire to be a Catholic priest. And again, he had lived a very wild life and a very sinful life and had acquired many sinful habits over the years, and people thought he was crazy. But it was an authentic vocation, and it was even tested with the church, and eventually he ended up going into the seminary and preparing for the priesthood. But then his life takes another unexpected turn, a seemingly tragic turn. Shortly before he's ordained a priest, he collapses playing basketball one day, and he's diagnosed, and it turns out he has a degenerative muscular disorder, which the doctors say there is no cure from, which will, over time, he'll be, lose the ability to control his muscles, he'll be wheelchair-bound, and eventually he will die from it. 
And actually, this was devastating for Stu because he had been looking forward to, to, to his life as a priest. been devastating because so much of his identity was based on his, on his physicality and, and the activities he liked to do. And this actually sent him into a, a period of despair and anger. You know, why God? After all I've gone through and I want to serve you as a priest, have you afflicted me with this? Now, the movie doesn't show this, but he actually... Uh, went on a pilgrimage to Lourdes in France. And you know there have been people who have been healed in the waters of Lourdes. And he was fully convinced he'd go into the waters and everything would be good. And he went in the waters, and uh, at this point I think he was using uh, some assistance, some kind of crutches to walk. But he got up and he, he collapsed. He wasn't healed. And he was so disappointed. And his friend, who later uh, was a seminarian, became a priest, Bart, he says, Stu, go back in the water. So he went a second time, and his body wasn't healed. But he says that in that moment, all of his anger, all of his doubts, his fears, his despair was gone. And he realized that God was calling him to willingly embrace this suffering for the salvation of souls. And he accepted that vocation. Now, something else the movie doesn't show was um, part of his disappointment was that the seminary formation team, they said he shouldn't be ordained a priest because certain physical health is required at the time of ordination. According to canon law, it can be dispensed, but it usually isn't. And so part of his disappointment was that he wasn't going to be able to be a priest. Now, he had a very good bishop, though, and this bishop... And his bishop described this later. He says, I prayed for, for about two weeks, I prayed every day about Stu and whether I should ordain him. And he said, I heard God say to me many times to ordain him that he will be an icon, a representative of the suffering Christ. And so the bishop's mind was changed. And, he was, and Stu was ordained a priest and he served about six years before he was finally, finally died from, from the degenerative condition. Um, but these were wonderful and fruitful years in his priesthood. Even after, um, so he, he got to the point where he could barely control muscles um, below his neck. And he got put, had to be put in a nursing home. Well, even then, he continued to minister to people. So people would line up. I think it was called Big Sky Nursing Home in Montana. They would line up to see him, and he would hear their confessions and give them absolution. And he would uh, uh, give them the anointing of the sick, and he would give them counsel and advice. And it, it, he, he embraced this com- uh, completely as the will of God. It was, it was clear that there was a power at work in him beyond anything natural. Yeah. And... You know, John tells us at the end of this gospel, you know, he's recorded some of these appearances of Jesus so that we might believe. But if we look, if we look at things like what God did in the life of Father Stu, in him and through him, we can see that Christ is alive here on earth, here in his church. Jesus says to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and believed. We believe because of the presence of Christ we experience in prayer, in the scriptures, in the sacraments, in others, in the events of our lives. 
And we are richly blessed.